0: Ben Breisner from junior success with the Speed River Track and Field Club to exploring and pushing his boundaries, finding a taste for the longer distances at the University of Tulsa, to just this past weekend becoming the top scoring senior Canadian male at the World Cross Country Championships on a grueling course in Denmark. We chat with Ben this week about coming up in the sport, the extreme nature of the championship course, and just what's up next for this up and comer. You're listening to the Terminal Mile at the Terminal Mile on Twitter and Instagram, a Tracky Radio production. All right, so big race at the uh, at the World Cross Country Championships uh, this past weekend. There's there's a few surprises in there, um, but how could you think that there wouldn't be with a course like that? I mean, we've heard a lot about it. We we saw it on the cameras perhaps you can uh you can you can fill us in what was that course like Were you did you feel like you were prepared for that thing going in
1: yeah you know the course is definitely a pretty key factor in the race obviously so you know I I think it was definitely more of a something you had to prepare for mentally you know you can do some hill training to help you a little bit and that kind of stuff which you know I did prepare my coaches at Tulsa prepared me well for that I think but you know, I think it was definitely, a course, you had to prepare for mentally. There's, like you said, so much hype on the course. And you had a lot of people saying how hard and miserable it was going to be. So it was definitely something you had to just accept it was going to hurt and be a little bit uncomfortable early on in the race. But, you know, I really wanted to take it within my limits and really kind of race smart throughout at least the first 6K and see what I got in the, the latter end of the race there. So, um you know, I think some of the features, such as, like, the water pit and the sand pit and all that the stuff, that, you know, I think it was more for the wow factor kind of a thing. It only took five, six steps to get out of it, so if you were able to just kind of mentally block it out, be like, this isn't that bad, I, I can get through this, and, you know, take a deep breath and get through that. The, those pretty fatiguing hills, um, I guess near the end of the loop and at the very beginning of the loop, that was pretty much the, the really tough stretch. And then once you got up to the top, up uh, about the highest elevation by the cheering tent there, I think you could pretty much get into a little bit of a rhythm and uh, allow your breathing to relax a little bit and kind of reset before you got to go right back up that hill on the next loop.
0: You know, you've worn the 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 uh, the national team singlet a couple times. Was was this different though? I mean, like this was this was a pretty big team to make. Um, I, I have to feel like it was kind of a first for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was my first senior team, and I was definitely really excited. That was my pretty much my goal coming in cross country season. Not racing in the NCAAs, I had you know I had probably twelve weeks there of just a straight training block, which got me really fit for the Canadian Nats there. And um, so I was super excited. And obviously the goal was to make the team. And I knew I had my work cut out with me because I knew there was some solid guys. <laughs> I ended up squeaking in, I guess, with sixth place there. So um, definitely glad to be on the team. And, you know, it was pretty crazy when you look around the table, you know, even on the women's side there with such expertise there. And um, even having like Chris Winter as the team manager there, it's, it's pretty good to have that many people around you to support you and just kind of look up to. Um, Cause like you said, I have been on a few junior teams and even a youth team as well, but it's, it is kind of a different beast when you move up to that next level with, you know, some, some pretty talented athletes next to you.
0: Okay. So you mentioned, uh, you know, you, you race for, for Tulsa and, and, you know, you know, you race, you race down in the States for a long time, you know, those NCAA cross country courses, they kind of have this reputation for being, you know, basically like grass tracks, um, you know, just trying to get the, the fastest time as possible. Now you've seen the, the other extreme of things, uh, with, with that course, what do you prefer at this point? I mean, like if, if, someone says you're going to run a cross country race. What do you want that course to look like at this point?
1: Yeah. I mean, like you said, there's, I think that's kind of the two extremes. So well, I mean, the, the easy answer is kind of somewhere in the middle would be fantastic. You know, I really like the, the course that they had there in Kingston and even in Vancouver, there in Jericho, you know, a little bit of mud doesn't hurt and gets, it kind of evens the playing field for those like really fast track guys. That I feel like that kind of plays into my suit a little bit. And, um, so, uh, I mean, you know, I like a challenging course, but <laughs> there is a limit where challenging becomes a little uh, little crazy when you go um, that much elevation and some of those other stuff in there. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, Kingston's course, I think, was, was great. I liked the, the mud and the, there's pretty, I wouldn't say it's like hilly, but, you know, it, it's undulating there. So um, I'd say a course like that really kind of suits my, my style.
0: All right, so you know, taking a look at the results, you were you were the top Canadian uh, across the line, uh, senior men's, uh, which which has got to be pretty exciting for you. You know, especially taking a look at, at some of those names there as well too. Is is that you know kind of a fact that, that has stuck with you since, or is it is it just one of those things where you know, having run the course, you, you know, that could be you could that could be anyone out there. I mean, like I have to think it has to be a bit of a confidence boost for you, no?
1: Oh, definitely. You know, I'm I'm super happy with my race and. You know, honestly, I went into the race, just wanted to put my best effort out there and contribute to the team. And so, you know, I'm definitely happy and it gives me some confidence going into this next track season. But, you know, as I said, I was six at Canadian Mats and there were four at-large guys that turned down the, the spots there. So I think there's a lot of people on the on the line there that had the potential to cross the line first on that day. But, you know, I'm proud to have trained hard and put my best effort out there and things end up going my way. So.
0: Okay, so you talked about having you know a really big training block this uh, this fall um, because you were you were out of eligibility uh, in the NCAA, but you do have your eligibility for for this past year indoors as well as uh, the outdoor season coming up as well too. Uh, what was what was training like after after Nats?
1: Yeah, um, it was pretty good. I mean, I I wasn't planning on taking downtime, but I got in a, in a little bit of trouble with some food poisoning, so I kind of had a a forced week of downtime which honestly probably was a good thing so I said uh, I don't really I don't regret my winter training and I'm was excited I think I put uh, several hundred mile weeks and several maybe even 110 mile weeks there so um got my mileage up and was training well with the guys here at the University of Tulsa and um you know I think we prepared well for the world cross-country course and I think that also translates on the track. You know, we were doing some 10k training, a little bit of hill training. So there's a lot of strength-based, and I'm ready to, you know, increase my fitness a little bit um, before regionals, and then, you know, hopefully sharpen up a little bit too.
0: Well, I saw I saw that you you, you raced Americans, uh, you know, in, in the three and in the five as well too. So like were those were those times purely off of uh, off of cross country training then?
1: Yeah, we didn't do too much. I think I did one what we would call kind of speed work with uh, a couple 400s and three hundreds and stuff. But other than that, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of long tempos, a lot of hill work and some uh, gravel intervals. So it was, it was very, it was definitely boosted my confidence knowing that I could, you know, go on that indoor track off of a lot of strength training and kind of put my way into the, that race and finish strong. So I was definitely happy to get the first places there for my team there at conference and, um, You know, obviously I think I owe a lot of that to my coaches here and they really timed my training well and uh, gave me that confidence going into the races.
0: So what I found pretty, uh, pretty interesting is the team that you flew over to Denmark with, uh, you know, there, there there's some NCAA guys on there, you know, there's, there's Ehab and there was, there's Rory Linkletter. Those are, those are guys that, um, you know, at some point in your tour season, you know, you could definitely consider real rivals and and guys that you will compete against. Um, You know, did you think about that dynamic at at all? And, you know, do you know those guys pretty well? Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know Ehab as much. I think, so at uh, Trinidad there the first time I've actually like met him and talked to him but I was on the, the World Cross Country team for the junior team in 2014 with Rory so I knew him decently well and I knew he obviously got some pretty good success in NCAA, and even Mike Tate you know he's been in Guelph for a little bit I ran with him a little bit over the summer so there was definitely a big group of guys that I, I was fairly confident to, um, in their potential and happy that they were on the team with me there so um in terms of racing, yeah, I think Rory's going to be going for the 10K the NCAAs and stuff, so it's it definitely helped me in the race, I think, at World Cross, just to have some familiar faces and kind of, you know, have a check on where I was and making sure I was staying within my limits and not pushing too hard too early in that course because I think you definitely could die a pretty painful death if you went a little too quick there.
0: Definitely, definitely. Speaking of speaking of 10Ks and, uh, you know, the NCAA season uh you know this is the time of the year for for the fast meets and stuff um when when are you planning on jumping into a 10k you know do you have do you have one coming up
1: yeah i think um we're going to fly out to california and i think it's actually the race is two weeks from today at mount Tack, so i'm going to get in a 10k there i think the main goal is just get a regional mark out of the way there and um you know, looking at the season as a whole, I definitely want to get to the NCAA 10K. I haven't been to an NCAA outdoor meet yet, and I think that's kind of the main goal, the over over-launching goal there of the season. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that and see what I got at Mount SAC. And um, after that, we're not really sure what I'm going to do. Might go to the Drake Relays and run a relay with the team. And other than that, just get ready for conference and regionals, and then hopefully NCAA's.
0: You know. Uh... Watching, watching last year and and seeing what what Ben Flanagan on that did on that national stage, I realized that you're you know you're not uh you're you're not going to Michigan, but I'm I mean like that had to give you a whole bunch of a, a whole bunch of hope as as a ten ker. You know, just watching watching that performance. No.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, that was so exciting to see him cross that line. I remember watching some of the guys here and just like we were just watching that race and I couldn't believe how strong he was and super excited for him he's a super talented athlete and he definitely deserved it so it's definitely cool to see some some canadian athletes up there in the front even rory getting second a few years ago so you know nothing's nothing's out nothing's impossible and so that's basically the goal is just get in there and like i said put my best foot forward on the day and whatever happens happens so uh yeah i guess that's that's mainly the goal it's really cool seeing People like Flanagan and Tate and Linklater up there, and still plays.
0: Definitely, definitely. Hey, you know, one thing that that I found very interesting is that when, when people come up in the track and field world, they they tend to start with the, with the mid-D stuff, with the 800s and with the 1500s and stuff. You seem to, um, you know, like even, even now in, in your career, a lot of people at your stage are, are still running, you know, the 1500s, maybe dabbling in, in the 5000s. But you, you seem to have embraced the the whole long distance thing fairly well i mean like what time like when did you know that you know that was kind of going to be your event you know the the longer distance stuff
1: yeah i mean i think i knew pretty early in my track career um you know i trained at speed river junior club there in uh, high school and i think grade nine and ten i suffered through the 1500 just because that was pretty much the 1500 and 3k but the 1500 was the one i suffered through the most just because It was definitely on that high-end speed for me, and I knew that as I got older and the longer races got more available to me, I would definitely succeed more in those kind of races. Um, And so, like you said, I just kind of embraced what my strength is and played off that. So, you know, I don't mind running 1500s, but I think in terms of success, my longer-distance strength-based training is definitely better for me than speed-based
0: speaking of uh speaking of suffering and uh the speed river group in grade nine um i was i was talking to your coach uh, jeff holler or your, your junior coach jeff holler and uh and he specifically brought up a a race in grade nine the the three thousand meter uh at offset so, yeah. uh <laughs> why is that race significant perhaps you you can you can fill us all in on uh on what happened there
1: yeah that was <laughs> that was one of the my first biggest mistakes in running for sure it was uh I mean I think it was in Sudbury my first off the track outdoors I guess they only have outdoor track there but um yeah I raced the 1500 uh prelims and didn't get out and I specifically remember feeling that it was because I was playing way too timid and like I said speed isn't my thing so I just got roasted in the last like 300 to 200 meters and didn't make the finals of 1,500. So going into the 3K the next day, I was talking to my dad and talking to coaches and stuff, and I was just like, I don't want that to happen. I don't want it to be that I go into the last 400 meters and just get absolutely ripped by someone that can drop a 400-meter a time that I wouldn't be able to. So I probably took that a little bit too to heart, and I think I took the race out and I don't know, maybe 67, 68, maybe even quicker than that. And I think I gapped the field by, oh, I don't know, maybe 100 meters, 150 (laughs) meters. And that one was a slow, painful death as well. I think I remember the the announcer saying, he's on uh, officer record pace right here, (laughs) and we'll see if he can hang on. And obviously I could not.
0: Oh, that's fair enough. That's fair. You know, he, <laughs> he, he also mentioned that, uh, you know, you, you made that switch from, from being a hockey player to, to being a runner. Well, you know, what, what was that transition like? Cause it, you know, I think that there are quite a few runners who are kind of in the same boat, you know, they they were doing something else, you know, maybe something a little more speed based, a little more anaerobic based, but really found something in running. So what, I mean, like what, what was it for you that, that moved you from one to the other?
1: yeah i mean i think i mean going into high school i was playing rep hockey so i wasn't allowed to play on the junior team or the varsity team um that's just a, i don't know if it's a high school regional rule or, or just my high school rule but because um, i was playing rep i couldn't play hockey so i was just kind of looking at different sports and I, I knew i was kind of an endurance guy so i tried out for cross country i tried the team for cross country there and um it ended up kind of working out. It was, ended up being one of those things where, you know, I had a really good passion for hockey, but I had to kind of be realistic and knowing that, you know, if you're not drafted by grade 11 there, your career is kind of dwindling. And um, I just kind of had to make that choice. And I think Holler was really good and, you know, not pushing me to drop something that I love, but also, t- like, you know, giving my guidelines and telling me, you know, realistically, if I want to make my next step in running, then, uh, you know, just taking a step down from hockey and pursuing running more full-time is is something that can definitely help me. And, uh, you know, I'm really grateful for that. And, you know, I still love hockey, and I love to get on the ice every now and then, but I think it definitely helped me. And, you know, I think being in a multi-sport early on in your career, I think that can definitely help one mentally so you don't get drained out by it but then also physically just to work different muscle groups and as you said it's even kind of a more uh fast-paced sport rather than endurance running so i think all around it made me an all-around better athlete and um you know i'm definitely happy with the career path that i took for athletics
0: so coming out of out of high school you, you definitely had options um you know why why tulsa why did you decide to go there
1: yeah. I'm, I was looking at several Canadian schools and a few American schools and, you know, I wasn't set on going against double or anything like that, but, you know, I couldn't be happier with my time here at the university of Tulsa. I was making my decision, you know, weighing options based on academics and athletics and uh, team environment, such as the coaches and all, all the people on the team as well. Um, and you know, Tulsa just seemed to have it checked off all the boxes that I was looking for. It had a good chemical engineering program and team uh, with a lot of success and uh, a lot of people that have progressed well within the athletic community here. And, uh, you know, I love the coaches here. So it kind of allowed me to, it was almost an easy decision for me. I think I visited in mid-March and then a week or two after that, I signed with them because I was just really excited to, I saw myself here and. it it definitely worked out for me.
0: All right. So, you know, you're coming to the end of your time in school. And, you know obviously you're doing really well there in in Tulsa you know with with your running and respect to your running but you know also you have a lot of connections back to Guelph as well too obviously you know you get along great with with the coaches there as well too Um, or you know you could go really pretty much anywhere after the results you've shown what what is the plan for your running after you leave school?
1: yeah, that's a tough one to answer. you know i I really have an interest in the career that I'm pursuing after university, so it's kind of a tough call on what I want to do after I graduate. I really love the sport of running and have a huge passion for it, and it's been an avenue of success for me for a really long time. and I also think I have some more potential to excel at the sport at longer distances, but you know, at the same time, I taking a good step step in the into my career as an engineer is also important to me. so. I think it's going to be a play-by-year kind of thing, and see what the cards I'm dealt with before I make a definite decision on what I want to do post-collegiate.
0: Hey, I noticed that uh, you know this this past. Um uh, boxing day, you, you ran the 10 miler in Hamilton, which is, uh, it's, it's a fun race. Um, you know, you, but you don't see a whole lot of guys who are currently, you know, in the collegiate system, you know, take to the roads, especially for, for like a 10 mile race. How'd that race go for you? You know, is that, is that an avenue you want to explore a lot more road racing and stuff?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I did that race for two years in a row now, and it's just a fun way to get out there and go for, uh, I mean, it's, I did have technically a 10 mile tempo on my workout plan for the Christmas break. I'd say it was maybe a little bit faster than a 10 mile tempo for me, but, um, you know, any chance to get a little bit of work with some other people was fun, but yeah, I think going onto the roads would be something that I think I could excel at. Like you said, the endurance based or the longest, longer distance based races kind of play into my strength. So kind of going onto the roads would kind of be the logical next step if I was planning on going into the, you know semi pro or professional running kind of scene
0: is that something that still gets you you know taking uh, a look back at, at who was on that line i mean you know there's guys like <laughs> like matt Hughes and and like reed cool said um yeah is, is that something that that still you know affects you i mean after making your your national teams and stuff uh, you, you kind of have to wonder
1: yeah i mean it was it, it was funny cuz i was talking to reed about that on the world cool cooldown. he's like it's probably one of the most competitive 10 milers that you can get in right now i mean we had i think four guys broke 50 minutes there for the 10 miler and i was just over so um it's a pretty crazy race just to drive 45 minutes and get a hard 10 mile tempo. and so um having guys like matt hughes and tristan woodfine uh recalls mike tate all those guys you know it's a pretty stacked field and you know it's kind of humbling when you go in there and you're not not able to really hang with them i was think i was with them for about three miles and we hit a hill and they got me very hard so it was uh it was a cool race to be in and nice to catch up with some guys that i haven't really been able to see very much since i've been in the states
0: well hey man it was uh you know it's it's been a lot of fun to to watch your progression over the years and uh you know that was a really really good result in, in denmark and i definitely wish you all the best with uh with your ncaa season coming up and Hey, man, thanks, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it.
1: Oh, for sure. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to Ben, as well as to Tracky for their ongoing support. We're trying something new here at the Terminal Mile and rolling out a track and field news segment program at the beginning of each week, calling it Track Wrap. It's basically the headlines from the past week all wrapped up into a package under five minutes. Be sure to give it a listen. It'll be on the same feed as the show and whatever podcatcher you use, whether it be iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we're probably on it. If you want to find us on social media, you can do so at The Terminal Mile. We're on both Twitter and Instagram with that handle. We also have a Facebook page now, so be sure to toss us a like on there. No matter what you listen to us on, be sure to toss up a thumbs up or a comment or a subscribe, whatever you do. Big thanks to you for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production.